1: What trajectory is LaMelo Ball on? Can the Kings figure it out? Does the NBA suffer from boring offense? The only question left is, say it with me, you win? Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live uh, green room show. Uh, I am coming at you both on the green room and YouTube side. I think I sort of figured it out and believe it or not, The weird uh, solution was to half plug in the uh, quarter-inch jack into my soundboard, and that somehow got the good sound from my iPad out into my computer. Maybe somebody who knows uh, about uh, audio can explain why that seems to work, but we'll find out. Um, with the old phantom power from my nice mic and then the uh, plug-in power with our plug-in audio from the, uh, the the ipad very strange but i think it'll work so if people want to join the show come on in just request to speak and uh, i'll bring you in we talk uh you know a, a nice group uh, discussion about the nba every time we do the green room so if you're out there over on the youtube side then uh, get that green room app Find me a ball Breakdown, join the show, and uh, we can chop it up directly and it'll be broadcast out to the YouTube site, which is usually even a, a bigger audience. So certainly um, we got to kind of talk about, I don't even know what to talk about. We had a, a trade the other day uh, with uh, involving Lowry Markinen and Larry Nance Jr., which we could discuss a little bit here. Uh, but how am I sounding? Everybody over on the green room, let me know. Is my mic working? I'm going to tap my mic on the green room side. Can you guys hear that? Ben, Brian, let me know. Uh, I'm getting a weird thing where it says there's nobody in the room, even though there's people in the room. So, uh, I wonder if the green room app is functioning properly, but let me know if it is working right over in the discussion, if you can. And if you're over on the YouTube side, come on in and, and, uh, chop it up with me over here, but let me know if this is working. Uh, please. Um, people are flashing in and out in the room, and I don't know anybody in the discussion. So, let me let me know that uh, this is working. It looks like it's working okay. And if you want to come on in, just hit that request. Oh, here we go. Brian wants to come on. Let's find out if it's working over the YouTube side. So, Brian, what's happening, my man?
2: Hey, what's up? Uh, what's good, coach? Yeah, I was just letting you know the mic's working,
1: like, I can't type the discussion to Android. Like, all right, awesome. And I think that the the levels look pretty good over to YouTube, too. So, uh, how are you feeling this morning? I'm doing good. As a Laker fan,
2: man, I ain't going to lie, though. The more and more players that get added to the roster, the more
1: and more worried I get. <laughs> you, you mean you, you, Rondo doesn't make you feel better?
2: There is such a thing as having too many cooks in the kitchen. I'm not wrong, right?
1: Well, yeah, but, like, Rondo is probably like more of a sous chef than a cook these days, right? Like, he's our, maybe he's a waiter, uh, <laughs> or, or I don't know. But, um I mean, I would be obviously much more worried about how the rust thing is going to fit alongside the other two versus anything else. I think everything else is, is sort of window dressing at this point. Um, but I don't know. You can't like, – I always bet against LeBron every year, and every year I'm generally proven wrong. So uh, I don't even know what to make of it. But um, I, I'm actually I, – I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to see it, right? Like at the very least, I'm very curious in some sort of fascination of whether or not uh, this will work, right? I mean, that's what's going to capture people's imaginations most. I mean, like I said, I've gone on record on my podcast saying I think it's going
2: to be a beautiful train wreck. Yeah. Like, that's honestly what it feels like. But I will say if LeBron finds a way to make this work, to me will probably be the second most impressive thing he's done in his career.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's probably – if if they can make this work. So what's what's the top of the list of the things that you're worried about
2: that aren't going to work? Honestly, just the LeBron-Westbrook dynamic, it's – I just don't see how it works in a playoff setting. I'm not worried about regular season. Like yeah. talent trumps everything in the regular season. They should win 50 plus games easily with no questions asked. But when it comes to the playoff setting, we've seen how teams defend Westbrook in the half court in the playoffs. We've seen yeah. Westbrook style isn't effective in the playoffs for a multitude of reasons. Um,
1: yeah. Well that's true too, but also it's the turnovers right i I think that when he starts throwing turnovers and we start seeing LeBron give that stare like they're not going to bench him and he he would have those guys benched in a second when that happens so that's what's going to be interesting but maybe maybe Russ doesn't make the turnovers maybe because he's handling the ball less and and, and LeBron is conjominating the ball more maybe Russ ends up being a you know a great shooting guard and but to me that's interesting because just like how does
2: We've never seen Russ really become that type of player. And to think he's going to do it now at age (laughs) 32. Right. Well,
1: we saw it for a couple months before the the COVID shut down the season in Houston. I I, I did see it. Uh, Harden dominated the ball. He was playing off ball. He remember it was kind of ugly in the beginning of the year when they were doubling Harden off of Russ, and and he was just he could not handle that. It was weird in space, but he got better at it. And um, I thought yeah. he was playing really, really well. There was like a, there was a it was a long stretch. It was like two months, maybe more. It was, it was so like 20, you 30 know. game
2: stretch, like yeah. But it was. A, but let's also keep in mind, Houston literally had to throw out their entire offensive playbook and get rid of Capella to make that happen. Like right, you right. You have to change so much. To make Westbrook effective in that type of atmosphere, it's just it's interesting, and I'm so curious to see how LeBron's going to handle that when it's Russ's man who's just sagging in the paint.
1: Yeah, absolutely, cutting from the corner like D. would in Miami. Yeah, no, it's it's a combination. It's it's both. It's the shots he's going to take and the threes and the sagging off um and then you know the defensive stuff too we'll, we'll have to find out whether or not that can get better uh, with him out there or not but like you know uh and, and then but it's also the you're right the um it's the personalities as well like Russ is not going to stand anybody criticizing him or getting on him even if it is LeBron right I, I can't imagine that happening so but uh-huh. but who knows maybe they're all long in the tooth uh getting up there in age and they're going to behave uh like you know good teammates so we shall see, but uh, I don't know. We got we got a lot of other people here in the show. Yeah, all quick of question. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, I'm a huge
3: uh, Charlotte Hornets fan, and um, I, there was a point in time last year. I want to say, right after Lamelo became um, a starter, like officially after his first like three games, where I honestly was watching and I couldn't name like I want to say <laughs> ten point guards better than him from at a good point of the season. Um, with like his length, his passing ability. He's so creative off the dribble, all that stuff. And I think people are kind of um, underrating the leap I think he's going to take with like the full keys to the offense next year. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, uh, how LaMelo going to develop next year and the kind of the young talent that they got
1: brought over there in
3: Charlotte. Oh, oh, for sure. Well, here's
1: the thing like, you know, the highlights speak very loudly for a guy that, you know, that age and, and is a rookie. But if you did dive through all the footage, you're going to see lots of, you know, problematic stuff that typical rookies go through, especially at that position. So it mm-hmm. wasn't like he was charmed and like had the most amazing, you know, uh, rookie year of all time. He He right. had his. Uh, his share of clunkiness as well. So, which is good. Like, I would expect that to happen for a guy like that. And, uh, w- and the, the good part about that is that there is a lot of upside and there's no question that he'll build upon that and he'll reduce some of the mistakes. And then, you know, the next year he'll reduce more. I, I he's on a trajectory to be an all star without question. Uh, and one of the most entertaining players out there right now. I, it's funny because I say this all the time. Lonzo must be looking at that like upset because they pretty right. much, like eliminated all that from his game right they don't let him they made him into a shooting guard basically when he needs to be there needs to be like a new position invented for that i suppose with with uh, lamelo it's it is a a Bit of a sort of a traditional point guard, Magic Johnson style guard. Um, and with Lonzo, they've like, he should do the same things. He could throw those passes, he could run the break, he could do a lot of different stuff. Uh, and instead, he's kind of spotting up, he hands off the ball to start the offense. He doesn't really get a lot of opportunities, but uh, yeah, Charlotte's building something. It's not exactly clear what's happening yet, it's a bit of a mishmash. But uh, there's no question that uh, LaMelo is league pass alert every time he gets out in the court, and uh, I love it. Uh, He throws the Pete Maravich-style passes and more. Uh, He shoots from deep, um, and uh, he's probably just a a, a joy to play with. So that's only going to help them win games and be better.
3: For sure, yeah, and then just two more things. One, so yeah, going to LaMelo and Lonzo, I think that the thing that I kind of think that separates them so early on is the fact that Shoot, but it just really doesn't seem like Lamelo cares about what anybody has to say about. <laughs> right, he's gonna go out there and he's gonna—he's not gonna be like I'm just gonna sit on the three-point line and shoot threes. He—he wants to, you know, make an impact on the game. It's not gonna be a game where you look in—he has five shot attempts. Like that's never gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the last thing is, I think people are underrating the move of um, the Rose into the Bulls. I hear a lot of it's the worst off-season move and spacing and all that stuff. I think putting a high-level score next to Zach and Vooch is, is, is going to be
1: troubling the 80s. Uh I hear you. I, I did the video on it, and um, I, I, I think it's going to work. I mean, listen, the offense should not be the worry at all uh, for the Bulls. That's not going to be the issue. They got, they're got they all really good passers. Uh, you know, DeRozan made it work uh, in San Antonio without the, quote-unquote, spacing that like, he doesn't provide. Uh, they'll have it across the board with other places, even uh, as far as Vucevic being able to space. Uh, But it's their path. They all pass. Like the thing that's going under the radar is DeRozan had a career high in assists per game last year. And it it wasn't all just sort of like, you know, a quick drive and the kick and easy pass for the open shot. He was getting in the air and firing skip passes across the court for open threes. So you should see a lot of that. The real question is going to be the defense. And I know someone was on Twitter, like, you know, yelling at me about how bad DeRozan is on defense. And I got to take a deep dive because um, nothing stands out in my mind of him being like completely, utterly a disaster on that end. And you have to imagine with the balance on offense they have. And, you know, they don't have to use up all their energy on that end. They can like even like Zach Levine, who we saw make some defensive plays on on Team USA. You know, he might be able to be better defensively as well. And Donovan had a 12th ranked defense with that team last year. So imagine, exactly. I know it's a re- totally revamped roster, but if he could get the 12th ranked te- defense out of that team, which I don't think, I mean, he had a couple of defend- defenders out there, um, then then maybe he gets 12th again, even if they're above average, then that's a legit playoff team, I would say.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I think the thing that they have helping for them that's going to, like, relieve some of that, you know, maybe they're not the best on-ball defenders is they're very athletic, not not including, you know, Vucevic. So they can switch. Patrick, Patrick Williams is real athletic and switch a lot of things. So yeah. they'll be able to switch onto a lot of different guards and stuff like that. But hopefully they all buy it.
1: Right. And then let's look at who they have on defense now, too. They have Lonzo, who is a terrific defender. Patrick Williams has got a lot of energy and makes plays on that end uh even like Kobe White it can defend um, I'm trying to think there, there's at least one or two other guys in that roster that can that are actually like defenders.
0: Jones, so right? uh,
1: yeah and oh, they just they just picked up Jones jr and they got rid of Markinen who wasn't a great defender uh, it's too bad I, I would have liked to have seen Markinen maybe blend in with this and give him more spacing but uh, I'm also glad to see him get a shot uh, where he should get a lot of opportunities and, and get back to where he was. He should be a better player than he was in the last couple of years with the Bulls. um all right what's uh what's let's see I, let me just take care of a couple of things i mean i see some chats over here or some uh, comments over on the youtube side what's up m scott lawrence nice uh thanks for being part of the conversation for so long and uh here's a question i'll just grab it from the, the comments over on youtube uh give me your all southpaw starting five cannot use harden or simmons current players only oh my goodness gracious six alive only player current players how many lefties are there out there right now um and i can't use harden or simmons I don't know, man. That's a tough question. Uh, <laughs> uh, who else is lefty out there that I would like? Joe Thomas,
4: uh, Isaiah who? Thomas.
1: Joe Ingles. Uh, Joe Ingles? Uh, okay, I guess we'll put Ingles on there. I don't think we put Isaiah on there. I don't know. If he's, is he on a roster right now?
4: No, not currently.
1: Yeah, so I don't know if we put oh, boy, Isaiah. He's got a point guard spot. Tyler Gosh. Ingles? Uber, I, I, by the way, I'm the charter member of the Kelly Ubrey fan club. I even have a little – I made it up a little card. I'll have to share it on, you know,
2: on Twitter. You even have um, to coach.
1: Yeah. Listen, he plays defense. He hustles. He makes plays. Oh, what? He didn't shoot so well. He had some troubles. But uh, I, I can't give up on the guy just yet. So um I have I, I, one Yeah. More. Yeah, go ahead. G.
5: Angelo Russell.
1: You know, I don't know, man. D'Angelo Russell's a tough one. He's a tough one with uh, culture-wise, whatever. But I did have – I was just going through – what was I looking through? I was going through someone's clips, and Russell suddenly popped up with some of his assists, and they, they're still pretty nasty. He'll throw dimes that are, like, yeah. you know, way unconventional. He deserves a little bit of uh, hype. Maybe I'll even do a video on that and go through if I can find a juicy, like, 20 good assists from him because he's always been able to, I, I saw him with the Lakers throw – like he could throw a curveball, like literally the ball curves in the air, like between defenders. I've never seen much like that. You know, in, of course, leave it to a lefty to to come up with that kind of stuff. Um, so, so he might deserve a little bit more hype, but uh, but I don't know if it's all great and, um, and sunshines and rainbows with him on the team uh, as far as his effect on other players. Um, Zion, Zion absolutely has to be the very top of the list. The Zion's going to have a destruct- just a destructive year. He's going to embarrass players. He's going to. He might lead the league in scoring. I, had, I thought he's going to lead the league in scoring last year, but the injuries and whatever got in the way. But uh, the dude shoots sixty some percent.
5: Like he's going to. He's going to lead the league in scoring. And it's going to be easy. Uh, will he embarrass his uh, team and coaches by uh, making them look bad as well with what they?
1: Uh, you talking about Zion? Yeah, yeah.
5: That was just you saying that he'll embarrass everyone. I was thinking, will he also embarrass them? Oh. Uh.
1: Well, I mean, they still have Ingram. Right, and they got they got rid of Lonzo. So let's actually. I'm mean, I have to remember now. What did the the Pelicans do besides that? Who did they get for Lonzo? Remind me Devontae, Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham. Oh, they, they got signed it. him Rob, JT, the agency. Right. That's a good pickup. Good pick uh, now, look, Graham. He his he, he did not have a, a good year. I mean, He's not like efficient year. at all. Yeah, he actually – and then he went backwards after his second year, which was really an eye-opener. Uh, and then it, when he shot – he actually continued to shoot the same from three, 30, 37.5%, which is good to see.
4: Those like, yeah. horrible.
1: You have to hope that maybe it will get better being on a better team, like, alongside those guys. It, it has to. He's not going to shoot 30, 38% again. I, I would predict he'll get over <laughs> 40. So that might not be great, but it'll be better. Um but yeah, that's a real big question mark. Uh new coach. It's an interesting whole thing what's going on there. And we're waiting for the uh the tell all from Stan or whoever. I I'm I'm really curious to hear more about what why that fell apart so quickly.
4: He just was never the right coach, right? I don't he just he's been out of touch since his Detroit days, right? So, yeah. Um it just didn't I mean, really make sense. Maybe it was full, like to try to get a culture change. Full,
1: full the clothes for disclosure. You know, Sam was an uh, an assistant when I was a basketball manager at Wisconsin. So you know, I worked with the guy for two years, and and mm. uh, you know, that was a long time ago. Um, and I guess the question then is, was he coaching nineteen ninety four style? uh in 2020 like then that's if that's the case and yeah at, at that level and at that age difference between him and the players i could see where that would become a problem um and it's just it just never really worked i mean i guess it was a curious decision when they brought him in the first place um and so you know we'll see what happens now with this the, the new coach but um wait, wait who do they hire now who, wait who's in in new orleans uh, willie green willie green oh yeah okay now willie green i i've talked to him i, I know him a little bit uh really interesting guy and also open. Like the guys that I talk to a lot of times I get I get out there, man. I I get a little bit crazy when I start talking about basketball and like (laughs) fundamentals and you know we, we kinda you know push the boundaries. And he was he was interested. Like that that's a good sign for me uh that here's a guy that's open to stuff and um and has a good sense of like what the modern game is. Uh, So I, I would anticipate some good stuff And plus, you know, he was with the Warriors And, and learned a lot about how they're going to build that offense I would anticipate they could do some similar stuff there uh, To mm-hmm. open up things for Zion But you, know, you don't have to do much for Zion He's just going to dominate no matter what
4: Yeah, what do you think of him, all, all that stuff Like, what? why is his timeline So, like, sped up I guess you can say, like They want to, like, win, like Immediately, in the playoffs, like, right now Like Why? Why? (laughs) Like, why is that?
1: Right. It's a good question. I mean, I think that the time that the the, the player like that, who is going to be a perennial All Star, you know, I bet you there are already teams that are you know lightly recruiting him as it is, right? So the the clock is ticking. His his rookie contract isn't forever, and at some at some point, if he feels like they're not, and we've seen this with LeBron, we saw it with Michael, like, those those guys took years and years, like, Michael took seven years before they got a team around him good enough to compete for a championship. No one's going to wait around mm-hmm. that long anymore, mm-hmm. and so I could feel like that must be part of it. They already have, you know, they had a core around him that seemed to be on the way to getting there. They brought in, like, a, Steven Adams is a guy you bring in if you want to, like, really, you know, take another step, right? Uh, and they had Ingram around him, and they had uh, Alonzo. so... Um, I could see how, like, all of a sudden, as if there's too much tumult- tumultuousness, as there's too many coaching changes, too much roster change, that just kind of, like, turns a player off. And then next thing you know, he wants to leave. And when that idea creeps into the head, if it's year two, if it's year three, if it's right before the contract ends, I don't know. It's really hard to change that, right? Like, at some point, like, it does, it grows and metastasizes, and, and then it's gone. And it, it, and you realize it was a decision he made years before and that you couldn't, you know, that, that you could have gotten control of early so I suppose it has to all be part of it
4: but the thing with with Zion right with the whole COVID and everything like his first year he, he barely played or anything and that was the COVID year right and then they stopped mm-hmm. playing right and then he goes into he plays a little bit in the bubble and he goes straight into his second year so it's like he had two years but it was like in one year kind of thing I don't think he's even played 82 games yet
1: no. He so, definitely has and that by the way that's yeah. probably the biggest worry of all time. So you're right, you want to develop <laughs> him and you want to give him a chance to get settled. Uh but I I mean he's that good without having to shoot threes uh in a yeah. weird in a, in an era where that doesn't seem to be possible. Like he I, I guarantee you like I think he, he's going to score 30 a game and that should no, lead yeah. the league and he's going he to shoot 27 61%. this year.
4: So it's like and he yeah. even know what he's doing. So
1: Right. And he shot 61% <laughs> like and it's the type of shots though that's the key. And as long as Willie Green like continues to have the same kind of handoffs and spacing that they got in the other, even with uh, Van Gundy, uh, then then the, the shots, the easy shots, that's how the key is. It's it was so that you know mm-hmm. what I mean. It was, it was like just easy dunks around the rim, explosive moves uh, that got him moving yeah. toward the middle. Um, that's, I think he did a video me. on it,
4: right? Um, I think it was either a few years ago or um, how they always would start him on the right side of the court so he'd. Uh, yeah. Go to his dominant side and, and drive yeah. to the left, like those type of plays.
1: Totally, so, and that's, that's the thing that like, coaches need to understand at all levels is you want to put your, your players in the best situation so they can uh, attack with their strongest hand. Even in the NBA, like look, at, well Zion's not the greatest example because he's so lefty dominant, right? Like I don't, mm-hmm. he does a little bit with the right hand dribble, a little bit, but he clearly favors the left hand. Um, and a lot of pros clearly are better going in one direction than the other so it's good to have your offense designed that way where you're getting them in the right posi- the positions where they can then attack and obviously on the right side of the floor means yeah he's turning into the middle uh with that left hand and then that's it's over if he gets within the you know within a yeah. few feet of the lane it's, it's it's forget about it you cannot stop that guy and you won't stop him for I would say 10 years maybe maybe longer <laughs> hey, it if- me Oh, by the way, really quickly, Big loss, you're right. Uh, Jalen Brunson, I can't believe I didn't throw out him as a lefty. He's on the top of my uh, favorite player list for sure. But uh, what's up? What's up in the chat? What else do we want to talk about?
6: Well, if I may, real quick, on the Zion Williamson. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I live here in Brooklyn, so I got a lot of Knicks fans. I'm a Nets fan. I got a lot of Knicks fans around me. Remember when he was asked that question about playing in Madison Square Garden? And he was so giddy that he couldn't wipe the smile off his face.
1: <laughs> right, right, right.
6: So that's why David Griffin, I love David Griffin. I used to listen to him and be a daily calling, uh, a weekly calling when he had a show on Series XM with him and Joe Myers. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a big fan of David Griffin. He has to do everything he can now to prevent him from considering because they lost Chris Paul, uh, what, almost more than a decade ago. Then you lost Anthony Davis, they were granted a number one pick again when a lot of Knicks fans felt jaded because they didn't get the number one or two pick. You know, they wind up with R.J. Barrett. Yeah. So you can see the New York Knicks, you know, they re-signed Julius Randle for now. Um, You know, if, if I had to say what their plans are real quick, they'll probably want to pair Julius Randle with a guy like Damian Lillard, uh, which I don't think they should pursue right now. Maybe in the off season, if you can get Bradley Beal on that same timeline with them. But, yeah. uh, you know, he he's already flirting with one of the big – markets out there so for a small market team like new orleans who just lost two stars in within the past uh, 15 years or so they got to do everything they can now to win and appease them like all right you know we may not be the big sexy glamorous market but if we're winning we're playing in you know, deep into the playoffs every year you shouldn't want to leave
1: Great call. And that, thank you. I uh, gave you a gem for that one. A great, great point as well. I'm not exactly sure why New York, you know, he's not from there or whatever. But I guess, you know, if, if anybody would be a savior to the Knicks, like you'd be the king of the, of the NBA forever. Uh, now, the thing with Randall, though, listen, I'm really happy for Randall. I actually coached uh, in, in the same uh, high school tournament when he was in high school when he was a sophomore. Same size. He was that same size as a sophomore as he is now. It's crazy. Uh, I'm really happy for him. He he got got He got, his, he got paid. Uh, he had a really nice season, but uh, I do feel like uh, he has. A, there's a very distinct ceiling for the Knicks in the playoffs, specifically with him as their guy. Yeah. And uh, and obviously, you know, if they ever got Zion, and they would they, he becomes completely expendable because they're pretty much a similar player, but he's just Randall's less explosive. Uh, but that that makes me worry that Randall is the guy who they're going to rely on, and we saw in the playoffs last year, like. It's just um not his,
4: sold on him in the playoffs. Yeah.
1: His the mid-range attack that way, uh, with the kind of shots he was getting when you're going up against against good defensive teams. I just think it's a recipe for disaster versus like in the regular season where you can do some damage and you can win some games. I feel like at some point the Knicks went on a big run. Uh I did a video on the on them and they were like five hundred-ish. And once the video came out, they went on a run. And all of a sudden, they were, what did they end up, fourth in the conference? They were not expecting yeah. that at all. And that put them in a whole different framework where now they're playing against, you know, in a different, whole. you know, rather than being in the eighth seed and having, you know, taking their lumps, getting some good experience. They were like, oh, maybe we're expected to win this. And I think that was completely off. It it, it changed their timeline. Uh, and But Knicks fans are probably not going to want to hear that. And they're going to say they going Yeah, that's more. the
4: crazy thing. Like, it's so, un- I see it on Twitter a lot. Like, their expectations are so unrealistic to me. Like, I look at that team, it's like, they're okay. Like, who they don't have a, a top, not even a top, what, 15 guy on their team. Right? Right? So it's like, you put them against any other team, it's like, you never have the best player in that series with, with any of the top, probably five teams in, in the East. And and uh, it's just, a, I just right. don't think that team is constructed
1: well. Well, and then, and then you have, you know, Tibbs, who is notorious for doing these improvements right away and usually in the market yeah. on, on the defensive side. And listen, like, you know, the Mitchell Robinson, I really, really like, and I wish he would just get all the minutes at center as many, as many as he could. Uh, you know, New Orleans Noel comes in there and plays well uh, and deserves to, to get another shot at another contract as well. But, like, you know, I, I hope it doesn't come to the point where Mitchell Robinson's not starting or he's only getting, like, 18 a game because they want to play Noel that many more minutes or whatever. Um, but, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the, this team. I, I'm going to do a video this week on them. Uh, I'm, so I'll do it on Monday or Tuesday. And, you know, we have to look at how that's going to work. Like, they did improve a little bit. But why don't I wait? Where's Fournier? I'm looking at their uh, – I'm on B-Ball yeah. Ref. That's weird. They didn't put him. Uh, why don't I see Fournier on the on there? Oh, there he is. I'm sorry. Gosh. So Fournier is going to be an interesting upgrade. Uh, he's one of those other guys who, in the regular season, can really help you. I don't know what happens in the playoffs, honestly, with him. Yeah. But, um, but he he is solid. And um, and then the, you know they bring in Kemba. They signed Derrick Rose. You're right. It's a, it's a weird lineup mishmash together. And uh, they a have a bunch like, of guys at the end yeah. and veterans in the, in the beginning of their careers. So I don't they know. They
4: have promising young players, but with all the veteran signings they had it's like they're not going to how are they going to get any playing time
1: right and that's all that's Tivs MO he doesn't like to yeah. play the young guys anyway so like Emmanuel Quickly who I really really like and think should be a lead guard you know, he's going to get his limits minute, uh, limit, minutes limited by uh, both uh, Kemba and Derrick Rose. Although Kemba is, you know, I hate to say it, he, he breaks down a lot. And I, I don't yeah. necessarily think he's going to make it through, even though I generally try and ignore and assume people are going to be healthy. With Kemba, it's tough after up, up the last several years. Obi Toppin, like what do we have from him? Is it, you know, it's fits and starts. Maybe he's going to be solid. I don't know. I'm still not quite sold. And then you have RJ Barrett, who – he seems to be on that track, and they're piping him to be the next, you know, great guard out of New York. But uh, anyone sold on that he's, yet? He's he's okay. Uh, it, I think the thing with him is definitely
4: his um, off the dribble game mm-hmm. would have to come along a lot, and he didn't need the ball in his hands a little bit to create. But he's not going to just based off of um, Randall and. Uh, Derek Rose,
1: Kemba, like it, that's gonna be over. He's gonna be spot up now. Like,
4: yeah, I don't, that- see
1: I, yeah. Right, and especially because let's just say they were an eighth seed, they didn't have a lot of pressure to win last year, and like they can really develop and uh, and afford to, you know, you know, it might not look perfect, but it'll be in the long run better for them with quickly, let's say, making mistakes but getting a lot of experience. Now they're going to grind it because they, you know, they play Rose a lot and play uh, Walker or uh, Walker because they want to like squeeze out a few extra wins. Uh, I have a super chat I want to take care of real quick over on the YouTube side. Don't forget if you want to get my attention right away on the YouTube uh, and comments, uh, super chat's the way to go. So, uh, Matthias. Barreto, thank you so much. Thank you uh, for the very generous super chat. He wants to know KD or LeBron at their primes and right now. So we know LeBron is not in his prime anymore. KD is probably toward the end of it as well, but he's still, you know, the way he looked in the uh, Team USA. Really good. Yeah, you're going to say he's got at least three more years of that, even though he had that crazy injury and he, he recovered. Um, who would I take, I guess? Uh, let's see here. Jeez Louise. Probably, I probably... I, listen... Uh, you can't go wrong. Um, I I don't know. I be like careful. to be in the kind of class, and yeah, right. I like to get out of the out of the box a little bit. Do I want to take like KD in his prime because he, he would play center a little bit more than LeBron would? Like a better maybe rim protector. that would be the only reason, right? And LeBron, like there were moments I think in his pre prime where he was a much better defender and then he really wasn't that way in his prime prime because he you know he understood the game and and, and knew you know uh but but he but lebron never ever ever really wanted to play defense down low in the post ever and yeah. i can picture like kd guarding like kevin love in in the finals and like getting battered but like holding his ground and making it tough on him and blocking a shot or two so you know, if I have to, if I have to base it on anything, I might have to go defense, and I might have to go with the fact that KD's just a lot longer, and will and will ultimately play, you know, a little bit more rim protection than uh, LeBron. But that that would be the only reason, I suppose. Coach, if I may, I would say yeah. to that question
6: depends on who you want your number two to be. That's I always face these questions because I I would argue LeBron probably played his best ball, and I you know was watching all those Miami games. I think he played his best ball in Cleveland with Kyrie, and I yeah. think for Kevin Durant. He probably played his best ball in Golden State. Although I greatly appreciate what he's done for us so far in Brooklyn, and hopefully this season he gets it done with the rest of them. Um, that's a very difficult question. If I had to take uh, one in their prime, I would say LeBron. And if I had to take one right now, it's definitely Kevin Durant.
1: Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And listen, LeBron's going to be really good. He'll have a really good year. But we, we've been seeing over the last few years cracks in the armor, where you know you're seeing some some evidence of decline. But like his decline from. You know his prime to where he is now still makes him better than ninety percent of the NBA, maybe even more. So it's like that decline is it's weird, but but just for him, when you see him miss shots at the rim that he would have just like dunked with his teeth, you know. Yeah, years there's ago, been a lot of those lately. Yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, but but again, he he, you know, the the mental aspect of it is a thing. Uh, but which is why we don't know what the Lakers are going to do because they're going to need. Some of that prime LeBron magic uh, to to win in the West and then into the finals. So and especially to beat a team like the Nets if they're healthy. Um, it's what a weird season we had. You know the, the Bucks. I, I listen. I, I just don't know if it's a hot take. The Bucks, you know, weren't going to beat the Nets if, until no. Kyrie goes down. Yeah. Now Kyrie not even close. They lost. Uh, the Bucks lost one game with Kyrie healthy in Game Three, but like no one thought that the Nets were going to sweep them. <laughs> so that, no. you know but uh it seemed pretty clear to me that like you know they had and they came within an inch of beating him anyway without without kyrie um a literal a literal inch and so um you know i i it's, and then they go on to win the whole thing it's crazy like they they somehow figured it out Budenholzer goes from a minute from being fired to like an extension. It's crazy how the NBA can work that way. So He should
4: he should probably still be fired.
1: <laughs> I mean the things that were the issues didn't change and we'll find out yeah. this year, right? Like, you know, uh but, like, that's why yeah. to be honest to adjust. We to. we've
4: seen it with teams who've went who've won like they there's like a calmness and a confidence about them that uh, they're not like afraid of anything anymore, right? They have right. nothing to lose. So that's one thing going
1: into this season they do have on their side. I would have liked to have seen the Bucks make a little bit of a splash and try and do another upgrade of the roster. Um, they did, they did. Grayson Allen. Grayson uh, Allen. Okay. Yeah, Grayson Allen. <laughs> I mean, because interestingly enough, so DiVincenzo comes back, right? He'll be healthy and that'll, that really will help them. Yeah. Uh, Allen is another one of those kind of guys in that mold, although Allen might be... You know, people have slept on him, and he's actually, you know, has some skills. He's good, very better than He's better skilled. than, very he's better than yes. Yeah, yeah. That's and it's like same. sometimes those Duke guys need more time to develop. Uh, you know, like JJ Reddicks comes come out awesome. Well, out he's of already
4: developed. I just think that he he just needs opportunity. Just get put the ball in his hands and just see yeah. what he can do.
1: Yeah, I've seen follow. it for a while. Yeah, okay, and like R.J. Barrett is another one of those guys where it's like there's like let's just pretend R.J. gets to where everyone thinks he's going to get to, and and I've done videos on him thinking that like he he might do it, Uh, but you know there's a a four you know there's a three or four year arc there uh, for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's a Duke thing or not, but um, well yeah him him
4: coming out of college well coming into college and from high school he was kind of like a point forward type player that's what he was, but then when he signed to Duke and then Zion and Cam Reddish like. You have to share, so you, oh, you really well, get to he, see he that didn't type really of, of thing right? Yeah. Well, that's
1: an interesting thing with Grayson. Is you know he had a great sophomore year, and then completely and should have come out, and then stayed, and then had a really suboptimal year. How many more years did he stay? Was it one or two? Eight, no, he stayed all four. Yeah, so the last so. couple of years, right, where like he kind of was going downhill. All of the team, maybe around him, got a little bit better, but well, they that didn't was' really have a
4: point guard, so he had to play point. Basically, yeah. the whole time because they didn't have anyone who was functioning who could initiate offense. So he was taking the look. He was really just doing that while he could. Well, he should be scoring and stuff like that. So that totally he took. He kind of sacrificed.
1: Yeah, and as a result, like you know, uh, and, and it was a mistake. He should have come out when yeah. uh, after that sophomore year. He would have made more money and all that stuff. But you know, uh, and I did a video. Actually, now I'm remembering. I, I I'm doing a series on the ACC players. Yeah, I remember. Um, and uh, I'm gonna start that up again ASAP because they they <laughs> I'm a, a group of guys who were doing all these ACT videos for them, and uh, all my videos did much better than anybody else's. So they really want me to get back to doing them. Uh, so hey, I got to get the list of figuring out who more players to do. Um, did you do Broadway? Oh, you know what? I don't think I did. I should do Broadway. Wait, Brogden yeah. in Virginia? Yeah. Um, you could do a whole bunch of Virginia players actually. <laughs> Yeah, like oh yeah, I could do Joe Harris. So yeah. The only problem is the access I have to this amazing database of clips uh, only goes back to like I want to say 2017. Um, mm-hmm. Does that so does that get Joe Harris? Uh, yeah. No.
4: Wait, no. Wait, no. Maybe no, maybe, maybe no, a no, senior no, no, year. No, 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 maybe maybe. You know, like, it'll be close. Like- 2016 maybe right? I Let me look. Because remember he was in Cle- Cle- Joe yeah, Harris he was, was in
1: Cleveland.
4: He was when LeBron was there, but he didn't get yeah. the, like, no playing time. So yeah, yeah, I remember. No,
1: his senior year was 13, 14. Believe it not. Harris oh, is yeah, a little yeah. older. He's, he's older. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, and uh, now he had played four years in uh, Virginia, but it was weird. There was a moment when Joe Harris looked really, really good, and I think it was 14, 15 in Cleveland, and they gave him like. You know, he played, he played in 51 games and I, I, I was really impressed. And then like all of a sudden something happened. He was gone like the next year after a few games. Uh, very strange because that to me would have been a great. I mean, don't you think they would have needed him? And no, absolutely. 16?
4: I mean, that's the type of player LeBron needs. Well, yeah. Well, well, likes to play with, but I, I don't, he just never gave him a chance. He didn't get any playing time, never really got to play with. It. I was like, Oh man, Joe Harris is there. If he gets yeah. any shots, like. Yeah, there's like a tell-all book there. Yeah. I
1: mean, I mean that's the thing about playing alongside LeBron. Most likely, I don't want to, you know, I don't know any details, but like sometimes I think uh, something happens, and LeBron's like, "Get him out of here!" In you know, yeah. one thing, <laughs> like right, really, like you have to real. imagine that's well, that's Dion probably what happened with uh, Well, I don't. I can understand Dion. I can understand, <laughs> but like, how about Montrez Harrell? Like yeah. Something happened with Montrez Harrell where they decided he had a player option and they the Lakers were going to do everything they could to make sure he didn't want to sign that player option again or he, he wanted to leave, which is – I know he signed it, but to trade him because uh, he wanted the hell out of there. So, you know, something happens, and again, I don't know if it has to be LeBron or anything else or whatever, but um, that, that is interesting. And, and the Joe Harris thing never made sense to me because there was a moment there when he first got out there. He was nailing threes. He looked like just a really good, polished NBA player coming out of Virginia, and then, boom, he was gone. Uh, and he got strange. a chance
4: on at Brooklyn, and then there you go.
1: Yeah. And, then yeah, Kenny Atkinson's there. Really like they, develop, yeah, they help him. Yeah. No, like Joe Harris is legit, you know, he could start on the Brooklyn Nets and they can win a title with that, with, I, in, my, yeah. in, my, in my opinion. Absolutely.
5: I um, mean, it helps when you have, you know,
1: <laughs> the other three. Go ahead.
5: I was trying to uh, clear something else. So I'm an NBA fan from London. I try and consume as much of the NBA as I can. But obviously, I favor the teams on the East because the games are run earlier than the teams on the West. Uh-huh. Uh, the specific question I had was about the Kings, who I – Honestly, never ever watched because they're always like 3 a.m. games, London time, West Coast. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Aaron Fox is this name that's thrown around in sort of like the basketball media world, and I and I do slightly agree with it that he's not the best version of himself at the Kings, but I also don't think he's a 16-game player. I question in a playoff setting, go like a second round, fi- conference finals, finals, if he could be. So have the ball enough to initiate for himself and anyone else and if he doesn't and it's somebody else's job what is he really doing um, if the spacing sort of isn't 100% there and and teams not respecting him too, right. too, too much with this shot so uh, yeah I guess why is his name thrown around so much other than the fact that he definitely isn't at his 100% potential and do you guys think he is a
1: yeah, well, that's a great question because you know it, the the alarm bells are flashing about like uh, you know uh, bad team filling up stats on a bad team kind of guy, and if he gets to a good team, all of a sudden maybe he's not as good. You know, Kemba kind of has that swirling around him too, right? Like he he was awesome in Charlotte, and they were not a really great team, and he goes to the better teams, and it doesn't work out so well. He, he. I mean, the reason why he's on everyone's hype list is certainly is because he's an explosive athlete who has a lot of great highlights, and he fills up the box score. I mean, he, he went twenty-five-seven last year. He did not shoot well from three at all, and he hasn't really shot that well in his career. So that's a, a, an interesting thing. Without taking a ton of threes, although last year he took a lot more than normal. So this is this is probably the year where he's now like people want to talk about the pr- your prime is still when you're like twenty-seven, twenty-eight. I don't know, man. To me, it's almost like it's your fifth year. When you get to your fifth year in the NBA, that's when we know what you are. I don't know if you're making a huge jump after that, and this is his fifth year. So this is it. This is It's time for him to you know pull up or shut up, and it's time for the Kings to do that. They've been kind of wallowing around trying to put together players that sort of fit together. They haven't been able to do it for a long time. Let me just see if their, their record last year was equally was, was, was bad, 31-41 in the 12th in the Western Conference. So this is it for everybody. This is it for Luke. Uh this is it for you know De'Aaron Fox and uh and they're bringing in Davion Mitchell who I just did a video on and uh who I really really like and think he's gonna make him better. But I'm not him? sure it, yeah. Okay.
7: Know, I think it's- It looks like they overachieved the last couple of years in my opinion though. I mean look at their roster, does it's not it's not a team that should be getting near the playoffs in the West and they're always like only a couple of games off to be honest.
1: Uh, okay. That's, that's true. In the new format, they were, they were in the mix a little bit, but, um, and again, I liked some of their players and like, listen, Marvin Bagley is a guy who I like and thinks he got, like, has really good potential. Uh, and then you go guys like Halliburton, who I think is great now, and they like the Halliburton Fox backcourt, but you know, we'll see what Davion Mitchell does. Cause he might, he could make a guy like Darren Fox expendable because he really is that good. Uh, uh, D, uh both, Offensively and defensively. That's the thing that he brings. Uh, and I, and I would imagine he's gonna shoot better than Fox. Like, even if Fox improves, um, and by the way, if you, if you're crunching, uh, dried grass, I don't know what that is, then feel free to mute. Um. uh, I think that, uh, that's the question. If, if we start seeing a guy like, uh, David Mitchell come in and like lockdown defender and he's nailing 40% of his threes, uh, they have to look at that because you don't want a guy who's going to shoot five threes a game who's shooting 32% from a three. Like that's a problem if you're talking about like the 16 game playoff, uh, you know, uh, th- do and so um, so that that's what I'd be I'd be looking at. But you know, but you know they're trying to do something when they bring in guys like you know Corey Joseph, um, Harrison Barnes, like the good team guys. Rashawn Holmes is also solid. So that you're right, they have pieces. Um, and the question now is, is, can Luke Walton do it? And I don't know. He's he's been there long enough now, where he's going to have to do it this year. Um, but here's the question: Luke Walton probably doesn't keep his job unless they make the playoffs. So that, that that's got to be the minimum, I think. Right, like. I, I don't think they have to be anything. They don't have to be fourth in the West, but they have to make the playoffs, period.
7: But all the uh, teams in the West are better than them, though,
1: even on paper.
7: You know, injuries. All the injuries in the West are ways you never than know them. what's going to happen. Hey, um, yeah, uh, injuries, yeah. But just just yeah. right now, yeah, yeah, like absolutely, they're
5: like eleventh, twelfth best. Team I don't in the West. think Houston or OKC okay, so try, and I think gravity will pull the Spurs down. So yeah. I have them maybe the twelfth, thirteenth in the West, yeah. like best. Team. That defense, bro. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. I
1: guess since you, if you have to put it that way, because, mm-hmm. let's see, like, is, are the Pelicans better than them? It, like, I'm looking at the standings yes. from last year.
7: Yeah, they are. Um, <laughs> I mean, on paper, they are, of course. On paper, yeah. on paper,
0: on paper the Pelicans are, but who, who the hell knows? It depends on who the next coach gonna be.
5: Right, yeah. 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 I got Pels, um, the Wolves as better and they didn't make the playoffs last year and Grizzlies just about made it and I have them as better but then I have OKC and Houston out but
1: The Wolves um, I mean, didn't mean, do anything
5: uh, this offseason right? I just think Edwards, uh, you Patrick you know, Beverly, you call, <laughs> I would say the Timberwolves ain't really, yeah.
1: Timberwolves ain't really do
0: nothing and we still questioning honestly we still questioning uh, catch heart when it comes to like playing defense like Dude, right. Do you got the heart? Do you got the heart? It ain't about his talent. It's about do you have the heart? Because we've, oh. we've been questioning really it
1: ever did. since Jimmy Butler left. And we and, and there's that question is legitimate, right? I think yeah. it'll
4: be a lot better this year. I,
1: uh,
7: when you watch him play, it, it just looks like he's almost playing at like 70%, to be honest. It doesn't look like he's He's fully engaged in basketball games, to be honest. Right. When I look, when I watch him play.
1: Tony, Tony, don't take this the wrong way, but you know, you sound exactly like uh, the player on Ted Lasso on the uh, in, in Ted Lasso on the team. Um, is,
7: that, is that the is that the soccer podcast, the soccer thing?
1: Yes, uh, the guy oh, who no. just took a stand uh, against the oil company. Um, I'm forgetting his name, but anyway, do you don't watch Ted Lasso?
7: I'm a European, so like that would just rub me the wrong way. Sorry,
1: I couldn't watch. That. Oh my god, it's not. I don't even know. I, I don't know. You guys, listen. I, I I just spoke at a coaching clinic, and in the in the middle of the coaching clinic, I'm like, I will Venmo anybody twenty bucks to get Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus, and watch <laughs> the episodes because it's that good. My, um, no. Well, are you saying friend, like because everyone's so refined as soccer people, like they that this show would be beneath them? Is that the idea? Yeah. <laughs>
7: I, I, I think, like, we get it's a joke, but it just—it's it, almost—it's almost too far. It's—it's almost
1: too far. It's, it's, too far. Uh, it's not even like—it's not even about soccer as a thing. It's really a, a heartwarming, uh, you know, and as it, a coach. To see the, the the methods he's using, which are what I've been trying to help other coaches understand, are the best ways to do it. I know it's a scripted show, so you can force yeah. all these scenarios the is, to work, you know, but it, it's great yeah. to watch. But well, what my opinion? I think American
7: coaches are better than European coaches in terms of both soccer and basketball. So it might be interesting.
0: Um, I, that's interesting. I
1: mean, it, dep- it, I
0: mean, it actually dep- It actually depends on the sport. If it's if it's soccer, European coaches are more better. No, I, I mean, if, I mean.
7: Yeah, I mean obviously in, in terms of that, but in in terms of like the way American coaches go around things, I think it's better.
1: And I like, I've we, heard some nightmare stuff about uh European coaches who, who well, do kind of like, sound look, like the old school coaches. Like from look America. like
7: look at my look at my profile. Like it's compulsory. I I watched of yeah. EuroLeague. To, the coaches is they're good, but they're they're crazy.
1: It's um, only yeah, their right. way or the highway. Uh, by the way, we have that in America too, so let's not pretend that doesn't yeah, exist Yeah, I, I know, but like... But, like, yeah, they, I hear you.
7: They, ha- they have, like, coaching, like, ca- like, every single time there's a timeout they put the, the cameras and the, the microphones in, mm-hmm. and the players get berated every second. Luca yeah. used to get taken out every game. Every, t- every time Luca took a step back, he got taken out of the game. Every time, <laughs> right. back, they, wow! And he's a skill. They, got, they took him out of the game, and they started be him at the end of every game.
1: Yeah, no, and I've certainly seen a lot of that. And you're right; like they, they, they're kind of probably more like the college coaches are here. Yeah, exactly. I I don't like the college college. Uh, yeah, me neither. Way. So that's an interesting point. Great, great point. We'll get let's give Tony a gem. But you do sound just like the guy uh, who is one of my you know, uh, all time favorite character. It's so funny, but uh, all right, I don't know. I guess I will watch him. I don't
0: but I don't say that now. Now I have a question on the eastern on the eastern conference though.
7: Uh huh.
0: We know about Brooklyn and we know about, uh, Milwaukee. Everybody said, like, now I'm a Bulls fan. They say they got my Bulls like top four, top five, top six and stuff like that. But I'm like, wait a minute. Really, the third, really three through, really three through 10 on the East. That's really wide open because like I see, Some of the teams teams in the East really ain't do much of nothing outside of us. Miami, for real.
1: Um, Yeah. The Hawks Hawks signed John Collins, which is big. But, yeah, they didn't add anything, really. and
0: And then you got New York. But I see New York falling off. I see Philly falling off. I see Boston falling off. So I'm like, besides them two, what would y'all, what would y'all, what would, what would y'all, uh, yeah. as far as the playoffs, what would y'all be, what would y'all eight teams be? So,
1: 10, I, would, I would say 10 if you want to count the play-in, but I'm going to say uh, eight. Eight can make it. Yeah, and then we got to count the 10 because they're going to do it again this year. With, and and interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm digging yeah. it. So, here's the thing, because in the video I did, and I mentioned it a few minutes ago too in the show, was, Okay obviously the the offense for the Bulls should not be an issue at all. They're going to be a top – in the offensive rating, they're going to be a top seven team, and they have to be, right? With that kind of firepower, they have to be top five, six, seven, right? And uh, defensively, like I mentioned, they were 12th last year with that team, and I know they lost um, the lefty um, guy who was the Toronto that young but they have enough defenders right now and Billy Donovan has shown that he can build a good defense uh, a very very good defense across the board on his whole NBA career so if they were 12th last year they can't I doubt they're going to be less than 12th this year let's just say they're 10th now you got a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense that's almost basically the criteria you need to be a championship team much less, you know, fourth in the conference. Oh, so you're, you're right, DeAndre. Like, that could easily get them a fourth seed minimum. I, I would be surprised if they're any lower than that. Yeah. I would. And that's like yeah, a hot I take, take, I guess, but I don't know. I think the Bulls yeah, could do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that ain't really a hot take
0: because, like, that ain't really a hot take because it's like uh, that's what most of the Bulls fans would well, be expecting. Expectin'. Well, last year, we were expecting to be uh, a playing team, and we actually won. We was, up to Zach, we was up to Zach Levine, COVID-19, sit down, 11 games sit down for COVID away.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, so here's Zach the thing.
0: Was, Zach Levine never had that. Zach Levine never had that. We was in there. Because
1: yeah. even with
0: that, we was two games. We was two games.
1: Out of it. The, the the sad truth is going to be that injuries I think are going to all dictate what's going to happen again this year. Just see, and I, I by the way I'm praying it doesn't. Oh, yeah. This isn't what's happening going forward, but like last year was terrible, right? Last year injuries <coughs> determined the entire the entire season. In fact, all the way to the finals and then who won. So we I, we I hope we can get away from that. Uh, but it, I, it doesn't. It, I kind of feel like it's getting worse and then getting better. Um, and until they can figure out. If it's a schedule thing, I don't know because it didn't feel like you know they've been trying to make the schedule easier and easier, and it didn't seem to help that end as far as back to backs and three nights, and three games and four nights. So I don't know what's going to happen, but that that is the sad case. And if that if that happens, I worry that the ratings will continue to fall even more. I mean, they the ratings were fifty percent down from two years ago in the finals. Uh, I know oh, it was the two teams as well, but but uh, that's a problem.
0: I mean, I think I think the farther like the scheduling last season, I think they. I think they was rushing to get back, cause oh man, we got to play all Oh, we need to go ahead and get back. I think they rushed back a little bit, cause if you really think about it, the two teams that just that was in the bubble, with Miami and the Lakers, they got bounced out in the first round, both of them, and both of them had injuries too. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, so absolutely. Really, right. And that, yeah. right. we can't yeah. overlook that. I mean, it, it was interesting because to me, even though the bubble happened and then they started up again, you know, if you think about it, only like four of the teams played, you know, in a, to the point where it was kind of a tight sk- window to come right back again. I mean, roughly eight of those teams didn't even play uh, in the bubble. So they had like a ridiculous amount of time off. Uh, And it it still felt like we had, you know, uh, that issue. So hopefully with a relatively normal off season right now where they have a couple months off to recover and recoup, uh, we'll avoid that. But that's, that's gotta be a concern these days. And until we have a season that's normal or whatever normal is now, where we don't have these devastating injuries that are directly affecting wins and and standings, uh, I'm not going to feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah. What else do we have? Anybody out there? Oh, go ahead. Oh, cause I was gonna all I
0: was gonna say is like, because, see, it's like every cause I like, I'm not like I know I'm I know I'm uh changing the subject a bit, but I'm not a LeBron fan. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a LeBron fan. I'm not even a Jordan fan. My, my guy already retired. <laughs> my guy already retired. I was an Al Iverson fan. My guy already retired.
8: Uh, <laughs> Sorry, already yes,
0: sir. uh but <laughs> as far as, as far as LeBron goes, like if LeBron would have lost that, uh, if he, he would have lost that, that bubble, that quote unquote Mickey Mouse championship, we would be creaming him and have everybody else saying, oh, that's the hardest thing. But because LeBron won, he got a, he got a Mickey Mouse bubble. He got a Mickey Mouse ring at this, that. And then this he couldn't even to get it out to get them out the first round with. I'm like, look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it, it's, uh, he,
1: listen, um, a, cu- a couple different things about like stuff like that. So LeBron not winning or had he lost that finals would have been devastating, I think, for his legacy. Uh, Chris Paul, by the way, avoided a, d- a devastating legacy of his by playing pretty well in the finals. But if he had not played well, um, then I, 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 I worried for him. We was already yeah. creaming him. We was already creaming him because oh he can oh when it matters Mosey. when it matters Mosey. you ran up I mean? Yeah, I mean, but he, he broke he, down. I he got hurt. hurt. You know, I, I and, and he was able to come back. So, so thank God in my mind, because it's been pretty quiet about that, right? None of those whispers that Chris Paul stuff yeah, no, in the like, offseason. Because I
0: was like, how you gonna, how everybody gonna get mad at a person who had to really carry the load from from his days with the with the New Orleans Hornets, who's not a Pelicans now, with the days of New Orleans Hornets, who he had to be the man mm-hmm. to the Clippers. Which with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, to so he had to carry the load as far as shooting wise. Then you had, then he had to play with James Harden, who who, 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 who was supposed to have been the one to carry the load, but he don't share the he never shared the ball with uh, with, James, with Chris Paul like that. And then he messed his hamstring up the third of the th- uh, game six, I want to say, was it game six or game five? when he messed his hamstring up, uh, when they were up three,
8: two. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And now, again, uh,
1: then... but I'm just, yeah, glad he I, made hear I, I hear you. I hear you. Well, you know what? We, we have three... some other people in. Let's, let's bring some other people in who have, uh, who've been in the show. We want to uh, bring something in here. I want to make sure I get to the, oh, uh, the, uh, the show. And so, uh, what do we have? Uh, anybody else out there who wants to uh, throw some stuff out there? Uh, hey coach. Yeah. Al, go ahead.
9: Uh, thank you. Um, I kind of joined late, so I'm sorry if it's like a repetitive question. Um, I was wondering, do you feel like uh in uh, in terms of like the offensive and defensive schemes uh, the league is kind of becoming oversimplified and uh, if so um do you th- between a heliocentric offensive scheme and maybe like an egalitarian egalitarian offensive
1: scheme, uh which do you think has like a higher ceiling overall? Wow. Great. Those are great questions. So the thing about the, the low ratings, to me, uh, it makes me concerned is maybe that the league is becoming uh, like sort of the same. Everyone's playing the same kind of offense. They're all running pistol action handoffs into ball screens and whatnot. And so that's less interesting. Whereas in the past, you'd have very distinct, uh, you know, kinds of attacks that were, you know, uh, pleasing to the eye for, for fans. Now, if we're talking about um, overall like effectiveness for winning, I mean, I think it depends on the team you have. The, the Rockets obviously tried to do the heliocentric style, where yes. they looked at the offense and what the, the point of what, what's the point of basketball is to have more points than the other team, right? So, yes, offensively, well, how can we distill this uh, this time on that end of the floor to make sure that like our best player is dictating most of the plays to ensure the best shots overall. Um, now, we saw what happened with that, right? It kind of uh, wore James Harden down. Sizzle out. He, yeah, yes, and he and fizzled out in the, in the playoffs. Um, and what we've seen from, like, you know, the teams like the Warriors, uh, who are much more of an egalitarian, move the ball, spacing, player movement, and ball movement at the same time, uh, to me is pleasing to the eye, and I think to a lot of people, because it's yes, just so much more dynamic and, and stimulating in theory. Uh, it doesn't feel as predictable. And then certainly from a defensive standpoint, I'm probably always going to err on the side of let's not ISO so much. You know, let's get some movement. And if you want to do some pick and roll, or whatever, that might ultimately force a, a switch into an ISO. OK, but let's get ball movement before that, because what Steve Kerr has talked about in the past um, like on my show and even and Phil Jackson in the past has talked about is, when players get to touch the ball, and not talking about shooting it, but touch the Energy. ball, feel it in their hands, yes, Rhythm. they feel a part of the offense, they feel part of the game, and they might actually play harder on defense. And we've seen players every once in a while come out and say, "All I frickin' do is just stand in the corner, and every fifth possession I touch the ball and I get to, I, maybe I shoot it." Yeah, I, I, I'm going to do a video on this, and I keep threatening to do this. Uh, I was doing one on Pat Connaughton and how well he played for them in the finals and the, for the Bucks. And when you look at him on offense, all he did for 90% of the possessions was go to the left corner and stand there. Uh, yes, sir, of course. And it's like I could do that, like you know, I mean, to be fair, yeah, I,
4: mean, I wouldn't want. Pat and doing anything else? <laughs> I mean, Okay, so so
1: in the, in the era of like multi-positional skill, whatever, what we are uh, we were starting to find out based on the offense they're running is that you, you well, a lot two or three of these positions at one time positions at one time are just standing there. Maybe they go from the corner to the wing uh, after about five or six seconds, and then they stand there for a while. So that's true. I, Coach, I think that there's a problem there, but... and that, I think I think that ultimately needs to be uh, rectified. I would think. So does that does that cover your question? Now.
9: Uh, yes, sir. Of course, and uh, I have just one more. If uh, other people are all-, all right with it, sure. Uh, yes, sir. Um, I-, I feel like for the past couple of years, um, in the finals especially, or in the playoffs at least. Um, uh, there, uh correct me if I'm wrong, but I-, I feel like it's kind of highlighted the importance of mid range with uh, Chris Middleton uh, helping out Giannis, and of course Kawhi being a really good uh, uh mid range uh, shooter. So, um. Uh, is the overreliance on like analytics kind of ruining basketball? And if so, do you feel like um, the mid range might become a lost art? And uh, for the players who are really professional mid range shooters like Katie and Kyrie and uh, those type of players, um, do you think uh, do you think it they should just keep doing what they're doing, or do you think like? Um, uh, Like changing any sort of like uh, changing their game would kind of negatively impact the impact their team in, in like a bigger picture.
1: Yeah. OK. So a bunch of things happening in that question is great question. Oh, thank um, you. So the argument tends to be that the, the stars never stop taking the mid range because they're yeah. stars. Uh, right. Sure. And that And there's probably validity to that as well. The where I get concerned is, and, and like, so you want, like you want the connotations to not shoot mid range. Cause when they looked at it in the macro sense years ago and, and, and realized that the mid range wasn't efficient, they looked at everybody shooting it. And uh, the yes, problem sir. is, is that there's a lot of those guys in the, in that, in that data set that, that the defense wants to shoot, you know, long twos. So it would make sense that okay, that looked a lot more, a lot less efficient than maybe it was because you, know, you had certain guys to take those shots that shouldn't be. So, um my concern is that in the training of it, in the training of how we go about, you know, in the off seasons and, and working on it, and then this goes down to lower levels as well, if you start to, to ignore those shots it, when you're training and you don't really have that in your bag later, and what happens in the playoffs when the good defensive teams will run you off the line and they're going to wall you off from the paint, what do you have left? You have mid-range that you have to take. Well, if you haven't been taking those shots in the regular season, how do you expect to make them under the highest pressure of the season in the playoffs? Uh, So that means you need to take them in the regular season. And my take on it is is if you train it properly, then you could be a proficient at it. And that's the key for anybody, a role player or a star. And so I feel like we need to be able to have that in the bag. Now, that said, the, the shot fake one dribble pull-up that we used to do from 18, like, I get it. It's now a shot fake side dribble, and you stay down the line and shoot the open three. Like, those are the ones we don't want to change. Uh, but there are certainly, you know, I would say 10% of our threes that are taken overall, maybe more, are, are just, are, shouldn't be taken. They're, they're taken in the name of just getting threes up, whereas, um, and, and that reason explains why the three-point percentage Despite having probably more good shooters across the board now than ever, that three-point percentage across the board from the NBA average never goes up. Uh, yes, And sir. that's probably the reason It's because they're jacking up more of these that, are, that shouldn't be. That would probably turn into a few more uh, mid-range and then maybe a few more at the rim, and they could have gotten there. And so, uh, but I think it's a training thing. I think that we need to get back to doing a little bit more training in the in very specific circumstances. Now, I got to kind of wrap my head around what those are because you obviously. Just like we take the threes because they're more efficient when they're in certain positions, there are better long twos than other long twos, and that's that's the key there that we need to kind of unlock. And I think if we do that, then we'll probably start to see that that percentage creep up, and then it makes it makes it more worth it. A really quick uh, take on this: the reason why we went away from post-ups is because they looked at the the synergy analytics and realized the post-up points per possession was was not efficient enough, but they weren't charting them properly. If you were to do a good strong post move and miss. But then get the rebound and put it right back in, that should be considered the same move because you collapsed the defense and you created that shot out of the post up. But they don't That's count it. that as the same. That's a putback as a separate category. When you included putbacks, we did a smaller sample size across you know, half of a season. Uh, somebody did it for me. We realized that it makes the points per percentage really, really strong when you include those possessions. And, um, and so as a result, we changed the entire way we play the game on almost like a false premise. And yes, so We sir. have to be very careful with all those uh, stats and how we look at them. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you so much. You got it. Thanks. Great questions. Yeah. All right. Well, we're getting toward the end of the show here. I mean, it's a Sunday. Oh. It's a, hopefully the weather's out and it's nice for you guys. But I'll take a few more questions as we wrap it up. So uh, Coach, throw it out there.
4: Yeah. I have um, leading into next season um, with the the rule changes with the offense um, uh, with the offense players not being the lead in and stuff like that, and with the full training camp teams are going to be able to have um, to practice defense and schemes and all that. Do you think the scoring will be down this year?
1: Um, That's a good question. Yeah, because obviously the the defense is what should benefit the most, in my mind, from having a full training camp and all those things. Although, you know, I've been to plenty of training camps and, you know, and and I've seen practices – and the you know the defense ends up being you know thirty uh, percent of the practice anyway, right? Well, although it's still important to have, um, I would hope that we would just have better overall play. Period. I feel like I wasn't happy with the play. I, I would get distracted during games last year and just sort of like not want to watch because it got kind of ragged and ugly and up and down and like pick up looking. So I would hope that overall it would just be a better product uh, and more refined and more um, and, and, that, and polished. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think the only way we're going to see a slowdown of the scoring or the offensive rating stuff is if the three-point shot becomes less of a weapon um, or, or if they start missing more of those. And I don't see that quite happening yet. We're getting to a point, I think, uh, although I bet you if we checked, we might have already hit the peak of, of uh, three-point frequency. I know it was over 50% for the Rockets in a couple of those years. They're obviously going back uh, away from that a little bit more now that uh, the the – you know, uh, Dantoni's gone and Morey has gone. Morey. But um, so I, I wonder if we're starting to see just a little bit of a crest and then maybe a little bit of a downslope of the three point frequency. And that actually might tune us up into a more, like better offensive ratings. And then we're going to eventually, after 10, 12, 15 years of this, figure out exactly what the sweet spot is for three point frequency versus the two point shots. And then, and then you'll just see a level off, I would imagine. You can't keep growing. It's like the economy. The economy can't keep growing. We're in for crashes. The, the NBA, you know, offenses cannot keep scoring more and more as far as I'm concerned. And by the way, I invented a new defense, and um, I'm going to post little bits and pieces of it to show you guys uh, in, that, in that vein because the offensive ratings continue to go up and up and up year over year. We have to do something radical to change the way we play defense. Uh, I think I might have come up with something. Um, that will at least uh, put a dent in that. We'll see. So that that is the, what we have to get out of the box a little bit more of defensively and start coming up with more creative things. My defense is a zone where you play kind of like how uh, the uh, Jazz played the, uh, Harden in the playoffs a couple of years ago where they played behind him and then they had Rudy Gobert shadow him on the block. I kind of designed a, a zone that is like that altogether. And if it's played properly and you play behind the ball on the perimeter and you can't set ball screens – and you really can't shoot threes. So imagine a defense that will take that away, even if it's for 10 or 12 or 14 possessions. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty powerful. I, I think I'm dialing it in and figuring out how to teach it better uh, as we invented it from scratch, uh, and that's a real key. And then if, the de- if NBA defense can figure that out, uh, then we'll start to see more of an effect.
5: Uh, Coach, just to jump in quickly uh, yes. what you said. Are the kids nowadays not shooting more threes though? Um, just like the kids are coming up across the world, just um, with what they're seeing. So, are we potentially not going to have more and more drafts? I guess it can't exponentially go up forever, but are we not going to have more drafts with big men who are shooting, your wings who are shooting, just because they what they've seen and what their coaches are rewarding when they're sort of making it? Um, just a quick counter to sort of threes going down. with well, are the current? I'm just thinking of rookies that will be coming in in the next sort of. Five to ten years, they've been shooting threes on pickup courts in uh, Mm -hmm. early AU setups, in intermurals in Europe, etc. It's just a. Yeah. Oh, I've been saying this for.
1: Yeah, well, I've been saying this for a long time. We're like, we're going to have 10 Steph Currys eventually. You know, all the 10-year-olds who were watching Steph Curry five years ago, they're going to get to be, you know, 20, 21 coming in the league, and we're going to have that. I mean, we've seen it. Like, Trey Young is sort of in that vein. Um, I know I'm missing at least. Luca, it doesn't really count. But we're going to see mm-hmm. other guys. In, uh, and I'm, I know I'm forgetting other players. I mean, listen, a lot of guards kind of play a little bit like Steph Curry. Right. Well, how about, like, LaMelo? Um, so we're going to see more and more of that for sure and then the big men too and I, I don't blame them as a big man or as a coach coaching big man for all these years I never, I never understood what was the why they'd be willing to just go from block to block getting beaten on uh, the whole time and never getting a chance to like, catch the ball on the perimeter and do something I'd always try and get my big man out there a little bit just to throw him a bone you know, let him, let him have something out there because otherwise it's got to be just kind of a, uh, uh, an unenjoyable game so I, I get it, and we'll see that. But uh, you know, we also might see you know a return to some of the bigger bruising players too as they get better with their footwork, and we can continue to train that. And if I can get it out there long enough, where it's like, no, the points per possession on post ups aren't as low as you think they are because they weren't categorized, prop- categorized properly, then then we'll, we probably will see some teams that will go get offensive rebounds. I mean, heck, you saw Milwaukee do that. Milwaukee's offense was terrible in the NBA Finals. I thought, uh, as far as X's and O's and the way they ran it, but they just hammered. Uh, the sons and the boards and got second chance points so often that that was a difference in these games without, without question in my mind, the, the, the offensive rebound was, was a, decided the, the finals and it's the kind of thing that most NBA teams have been going away from for years and years and not doing that. So here you go. All of a sudden, there's a team that, out of nowhere, boom, starts getting offensive boards, and they win the whole thing. So we'll, we'll see a uh, return to some other things that we've seen in the past without without question. Uh, another Super Chat. Before we wrap up, thank you, thank you, thank you. No limits. Uh, really thank you for the generous Super Chat. Um, how do you think height and weight affects a player's speed, agility, and shooting ability? Also, what do you think is the best height for a point guard play style? Well, I mean, obviously, as far as the height and weight affect the players like speed, agility. If you get too big, if you get to the like the you know, um, like when you saw Dwight Howard, huge upper body, tiny legs, and he had back problems. Like, okay, there's a, that was a, a no brainer. It was easy to call. Uh, at, at some point in his career. And then obviously the really big shoulder guys, like it's harder to shoot that way because you're less flexible in this motion. Um, and so ideally, like the Kevin Durant style body is the body you'd want, you know, really uh, strong core, very flexible. Uh, and that, that'll help you for, uh, across the board for everything. So I feel like, uh, and I was just thinking about this the other day, well, I've seen, I've seen every trainer in the world and do all of their stuff, uh, strength and conditioning and how they, how they train. And the, the, there's a through line I've seen, at least for lower body. Lunges. Any type of lunge you can do is really important. It's for balance and for uh, glute strength. Uh, Core strength is also the other thing. It's huge, huge, huge. And then hip flexibility. Those are the things I feel like are the through line that I've seen across all the board because there's a lot of different stuff you see. But if you can achieve those things, you know, there's probably some upper body strength you can do. And I've seen a lot of uh, creativity there. But in reality, if it's the core strength is there, hip flexibility, and you have enough strength in your glutes, then you can be a terrific basketball player that unlocks as much of your potential as you can. Um, now, as far as best height for a point guard play style, I mean, the Magic Johnson mold has always been you know, a huge advantage. Uh, Luca is in that same mold, too. So is LeBron at 6'8". I, I erroneously called Cade Cunningham 6'8". I thought he was 6'8". I don't know why. I swore I saw something, but apparently he's only 6'6". But still, 6'6", 6'7", 6'9". Those are all – that's the height you'd want to be because you can see over the, over the defense and, uh, and then be as versatile as you can. The thing that I, I, I think that people don't recognize about Magic – was traditionally, if he's guarding a point guard, a lot of the time, especially back in the 80s, he would end up being the guy guarding in the corner, and he'd be the help defense, like on a pick and roll. And who is he helping out on? A big man rolling. And what is his size? He's six nine. He's very close to that big man. Versus a point guard who would bump down or bump over for a roll man and would have almost no effect because he was a foot shorter than the guy rolling. So that was a huge advantage for the Lakers that like people never really made, made mention of. And um, that's another reason why at that position, if you have a bigger guy who's, who's agile and who can handle the ball and pass, uh, then that's a huge, huge advantage. All right, we got one more question out there I can take before we wrap up.
8: I got you. Coach. One, one, All right. One. Okay. Uh, real quick, if you do make that video, uh, the, the guy that acts about the Cavaliers in offense uh, versus the other stuff plays out. Uh, just some consideration. I hope you do one. Boba uh, uh Look what Kenny Atkinson wanted to do with AD and Kyrie, and then look what Steve Nash is doing with that team now. Kind of that. That'd be a, a, a good juxtaposition, I think. Uh,
1: yeah, well, I mean, it, it, but, you know, KD, what, what Atkinson wanted to do with KD would have been what he did in, in Golden State, it was almost the same kind of offense. And I kind of feel like what Nash, and Nash did the similar stuff. He, he ran basically D'Antoni's offense, but I think they they gave both of those guys maybe a little bit more free reign in theory to, like, ISO and do their thing, which I get because, you know, it, it's obviously really efficient for them too. I just worry about when they run that kind of stuff in a playoff game and all of a sudden you're missing some of those and the, every possession is really important and th- those shots are really tough and um where they could have gotten something better like you know what i mean that that's what gets me frustrated sometimes with guys like KD who Listen, they deserve uh, to have a green light whenever they want to. Uh, it's just sometimes they end up, and, you, and that was a thing that the Nets would have been their Achilles' heel. Would have been um, down the stretch in tight games. If you get them down and they're down by five points, five minutes to go. they're going to take bad shots, and that's a problem. Like that, you know, on the road or whatever, um, they, they might win, but, but but that would be the one thing you have to point to. And it's listen, it's nitpicking to the nth degree on that kind of team. But um that if that was a coach against them, that's the one thing I'd hang my hat on, is knowing, well they're gonna they're not gonna take great shots on the stretch if we it's a close game and that's gonna be a shot at us uh winning the game.
8: Not only that, but they wouldn't rebound well either. That's what doomed us against the Bucs in most yeah. the games. They they destroyed us on the offensive court. Here's my yeah. question though. Based on the twenty twenty one season and going forward right now, what is your which teams would you like to see? what would be your most anticipated offensive defense? based on what you've seen last season
1: and going into this season. Which Wait, which team do I want to see on offense and which team do I want to see on defense? Yeah, like, like
8: who would you anticipate? Like who are you are looking forward to seeing the
1: most? Ah, they that's a really, oh, wow, interesting question. I, th- I mean, I'm, I think I'm looking forward as a morbid curiosity or whatever from the, from the Bulls uh, offense. I really want to see what that's like Because that should be really fun and interesting. Although there is room for disaster as well, Uh, I certainly would love to see a full, uh, full power uh, Nets team. We had a little glimpses of that. And by the way, a full, a fully healthy Nets team running the right, you know, optimally means that Harden is the MVP. (laughs) Believe it or not. I Um, agree. Yeah, and so I want to see that. Um, I definitely want to see the Lakers. Uh, the, the Lakers are the most morbid fascination for me because I think everyone's expecting it to be rough and not look great. Um, I, I just want to. I really want to see how it works. Uh, that's going to be the most uh, fascinating of it all. And if, if, if uh, Coach Vogel can can keep it all together, we know defensively he can do that. So the question now is, can can he get the offense to to function properly? Uh, you know, the Lakers weren't great offensively last year. I, I think, oh, right? Am I, am I crazy with that? Let me just quickly quickly check my stats. Uh, let's see. Teams, uh, traditional, advanced, um, and then offensive rating. Where were the Lakers? I feel like, yeah. The, does anybody here know what the Lakers ranked in offensive rating last year? It was 24th. Now, we know that the uh, AD and LeBron missed a chunk, um, but I bet you if I isolated just that, I don't know if it was – if it if it jumped that much higher i'll look at that later cuz i have to look at the dates but um so that that's going to be the real challenge for them cuz obviously the lakers can't compete if they're going to be uh they're not going to be more uh, offensively uh efficient and adding russ doesn't guarantee that uh, by any stretch of the imagination so we'll see but but listen awesome show i'm i'm definitely going to post this one to my uh to my podcast uh, because this was great sound and great uh great questions so Thank you guys for being there. Thank you guys out there for on YouTube and for the, the super chats as well. And being part of the conversation. Don't forget on the YouTube side, if you want to join me, like you'd hear and be on you know, the show, download the, the uh, green room app and you can uh, request to come in. I bring everybody in. We all chop it up. And all you guys on the green room app, uh, thank you for being part of the conversation. It was great. And uh, don't forget sports, Fans and people breakdown. We're not channel work conversation. You in, are you in guys? Oh, yes, on, sir. That's it? All in. right. That's what I want to hear.